The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus got in the boat, crossed the water, and came to his own town. Then some people appeared, bringing him a paralytic stretched out on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Courage, my child, your sins are forgiven. At this, some scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. Knowing what was in their minds, Jesus said, Why do you have such wicked thoughts in your hearts? Now, which of these is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But to prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, get up and pick up your bed and go off home. And the man got up and went home. A feeling of awe came over the crowd when they saw this, and they praised God for giving such power to men. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Very interesting reading, and very interesting reading to backdrop it. Um, I, I want to say something about... <laughs> The, the cleverness of Jesus, if I can be so bold as to, as to pay Christ that compliment. <laughs> but, um, but I love the way that um, he traps us in the best sense of the word. You know, he traps us in his love. He traps us in his truth. Um, the people have come. Now, this is his hometown. So very quickly, they start to not really like that he's there. But he's there with his own people that he grew up with, probably. Um, and, and it says, he sees the faith of the crowd. Think of this as an allegory of the church. You know, we, we, let's say we have an anointing mass and we have some sick person in our midst and, and God sees the faith of his people gathered, all of them, not just the person in need, but all of us are coming embracing this person to the Lord. He sees our faith um, and then he extends his merciful hand. But then something happens and, and the scribes who knew the law well were jarred by this because they knew the law. Who can forgive sins but God? Um, therefore, Jesus is claiming to be God here. It's as high a Christological move that Christ can make, and, and they notice it. They say, wait a minute, only God can forgive sins. You're blaspheming. The retort of Christ is so interesting because he doesn't say, why do you think I'm doing evil? He says, why do you have this evil thought in your hearts? They've misjudged him. Think of, think of the, the, the axiom, judge not lest ye be judged. They've judged him not to be God, which is not in fact the case. God has come among them in all God's mercy and love. Um, why do you have these wicked thoughts? Then here's the trap, and I love this, because he says to the person, your sins are forgiven. Now, anyone can say that to anyone. I can say that to any one of you. You can say it to me. Oh, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> um, none of us has the authority to say that right but we can say those words we can't affect the reality but we can say the words and and they're jarred and jesus says okay okay which is easier to say your sins are forgiven anyone can say that and it may or may not have happened who knows it's it's invisible or to say get up and walk none of us would dare to say that unless we felt we had some kind of healing power um, because we'll embarrass ourselves we'll say get up oh he can't get up what a shame <laughs> sorry um, but, but Jesus purposely puts one before the other. He says, which is easier? It's easy for any of us to say your sins are forgiven. 
It's not easy for any of us to say, get up and walk. And so Jesus proves, if I can tell that man, get up and walk, and he gets up and walk, you best believe his sins are gone. He is forgiven by God, who is me. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful trap, isn't it? And it says the people praised God. Well, isn't that a fruit of, of the whole outcome? Okay, anyway, I've spoken on that, which I didn't intend to, but um, and I haven't said anything about our friend Abraham. Abraham is the icon of faith, isn't he? We say, um, we, we recall him in all our prayers. We look back to him always. Um, this passage that you read for us, Aneb, has been cut left, right, and center by theologians and philosophers. Even atheists want to have a go at this because it's, it's a puzzling story. You think, who is this strange God of ours? Um, or who is this strange God of theirs, those who don't believe would say? Um, I think anyone who has had to hard, undergo hardship with their family, and especially those who've lost their children, those who've had to um, say goodbye in very hard situations, they think, is this a test from God? What's happening here? It's testing my faith. It's testing my capacity to love. It's even testing my trust in God. Like, how can I trust a God who seems to act in this weird way? Um, I think, um, you know, there's, there's so many things that, that show this to be a deeply, deeply archetypal story. Um, I don't know which to say without going off on a massive tangent here. <laughs> um, but, but I might simply say the challenge embedded in this story is to keep one's... Is to keep, yeah, right. It's to keep one's eyes fixed on the God who calls. Um, you'll notice that in other passages, Abraham was happy to sort of back and forth with God. He'd debate <laughs> and, and plead his case. Moses and David and these other people, they'd sort of make their case. But in this situation, um, God says, Abraham, here I am. Do this. There's no reply. He just faithfully gets to work. Remember that passage, happy the servant whose master finds him at already employed to the task well that's Abraham um, and and they go um, I think it was um, Origen who said the voice of temptation comes in the form of Abraham's son when he says father you know tenderly he calls on his dad and um, Origen says that would have been the time for Abraham to soften and say oh I can't do this I can't do it but he but he tenderly embraces his son he says yes my son the Lord has called us, you know, let's keep going, let's keep going. Um, we know the one who called us, regardless of whether or not we know exactly what he's called us to. They get to the mountain and um, Abraham never withdraws. He's, he's carrying out the task that he's been appointed. God finally says, Abraham, stop. Um, and and, and in, a, in a curious way, the scripture always talks in this way that we have, to, we have to flip back to front. God says, now I know that you are faithful to me. God knows everything. God doesn't need to prove anything to anyone, least of all himself. Um, you'll notice when he swore, he says, I by myself swear it. So God's not learning something new here. So who is learning? Abraham and Isaac. They're learning a little bit more about themselves, a little bit more about God, a little bit more about the strangeness of life that God asks us to navigate, and God walks with us always. That refrain in that psalm, I will walk with the Lord in the presence, I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. Um, our journey may have all sorts of tests, and maybe we've braved the bulk of them, but maybe there's some around the corner. 
we need not fear. God, who is trustworthy, who is faithful, who forgives sins, who heals paralytics, etc., etc., that God walks with us always.